This is an RNZ podcast. Super scientist Nano Girl is on a mission to show everyone the wonders of science. She's joined by her trusty sidekick, the constantly learning artificial intelligence repository. We call her Claire. Let's cross now to Nano Girl's secret lab. I need my togs and my wetsuit, my snorkel and fins and sunscreen, woolly hat, and I definitely need the hot chocolate. Are you going to the beach, Nano Girl? I am, and I want to go snorkeling. Have you seen the hot chocolate, Claire? I think it'll be in the kitchen with the food rather than in the cupboard with your beach kit. Oh, doesn't everybody keep emergency hot chocolate with their swimming gear? In case of hot chocolate emergencies, is that a thing? Of course it's a thing. Hey, while I'm at the beach, maybe I could multitask and also answer a science question. Good idea. There was a question about the sea. Let me see if I can find it. Can fish talk? Oh, gosh. I'm not sure, to be honest, but I know somebody who will totally be able to help with that. And he's near the beach. If you take the jet bolt, you can take Tessa with you. Genius plan, Claire. Guess I'll just have to leave the hot chocolate until I get home. See you soon. And it looks like Tessa's school is actually on the way. There it is. Right, now to land in the school field. Is this the right school? I don't know. Let me find out. Hello? Hi, um, can somebody tell me where I am? You're at Maharangi College. Maharangi College, perfect. That's where my GPS was supposed to take me. I'm looking for somebody called Tessa. Hello. Are you Tessa? Yeah. Hey Tessa, I'm Nano Girl and you had a question. Yeah, um, can fish talk? Can fish talk? That's a great question. Uh, what do you think? I don't know. Maybe they blow bubbles. Or wave... I don't know. Wave with their fin? Yeah. Wave with their tail? Do you think fish have conversations? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Do you know what, Tessa? That is a great question. I'm going to be honest. I don't know whether fish can talk, but I know somebody who does. Would you like to come on an adventure with me? Yes. Okay. You have to get into the spaceship, though. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. In the jet vault. Here we go. Squeeze in tight. All right. Seatbelts on. Perfect. Here we go. Right, get ready, hold on tight. Here we go. Three, two, one. Whoa! Okay, now GPS says that we need to land here. Um, the ocean is quite close. Hopefully, I'm not going to land in the ocean, but just in case, make sure your life jackets are under your seat. Ready? Three, two, one. Whoa! Oh, that was a great landing. And a uh, we're on the beach. Luckily, we didn't land in the ocean. Is everybody okay? Yeah. 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 We're okay. Okay. Oh, look how nice it is here. The ocean's gorgeous. Anyway, we're here to find my friend. Oh, I can see him over there. Hi, Craig. Hi, Hi Craig. Hi, guys. I thought you were going to land in the ocean. Oh, pretty close, but we managed to land on the beach. So, where are we? We're at the University of Auckland, Scott Islands Marine Centre, and it's based on the first no-take marine reserve in the world. Does that mean it's super old? Super old and lots of fish. Yes. Well, that's good, because actually this is Tessa, and Tessa has a question for you. Can fish talk? Wow. (laughs) Can they talk? Yes, they can, is the short answer. So how do you know that? What is your job? I'm a bioacoustician, so my focus is basically everything that talks in the ocean. Hold on. Bioacoustician. Bioacoustician. So I know bio means, like, living things. 
Yes. And aku is acoustics. Oh, like sound. Sound. And ishin just means you're super smart. Guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Okay. So, and and you work here? I work here, and we do range stuff. And I spend a lot of time listening underwater. Cool. Wow. Do you just put your ear in the ocean? I have special equipment that we can put in the ocean that basically the same as what you're talking into, except for it's waterproof and can go underwater. That's awesome. Yeah. Can we go inside? Sure. All right. Follow Craig. So this is our um, discovery centre, and this is our public face where we teach students like yourselves and where we can explore the different things that we um, research here. So Tessa, your question was about can fish talk, but does anybody know what, what that means? Like, do you think they just have a chat? What do you think talking means? Communicating. Yeah, and why do you think fish might want to talk to each other? So they know where, like, food is um, or, nom, nom, or nom. if there's predators around. You don't think they just chat about, like, the latest shark they saw, like, coming by? <laughs> um, no. No? What the newest scale skirt might be in season this year? Maybe. <laughs> so, Craig, when we talk about fish talking, is there a way that you measure how things talk, or is there another word that you use? Um, when we talk about fish talking, we normally mean the fish actively producing sound for uh, some type of communicative purpose. Ah, so communicating between each other. It doesn't have to be talking like I'm talking to you right now. No, the majority of fish, they produce their sounds for a specific purpose, either for warning their mates that there's potential predator, for attracting the opposite sex for reproduction, or um, chasing aggressive interactions, chasing their mate away from a food source because they want to eat it themselves. Or um, lots of fish school, and there's um, some fish that use sound, especially fish that school at night and um, come out at night to feed, they use sound to maintain their, the size of their schools and to maintain contact because its protection is greater in, in numbers than by themselves. And so a school is like where they go to learn? A school is like, I guess, their family hanging out oh, together. Like a crowd of like fish. Like a crowd of fish. So do fish make sounds? Yes, fish make sounds. They um, have a variety of ways in which they make sounds. large majority of fish have swim bladders, and which helps them float in the water. And on those swim bladders, they have special muscles that they can contract and it's the contraction of those muscles against the swim bladder that produces the sounds. What's a swim bladder? Swim bladder is uh, basically a sac of air in the fish that um, they can regulate the volume of, which maintains their buoyancy uh, in the water. So it helps them float, essentially. Like bagpipes? Kind of, if you add the muscles onto it and it produces sounds, it's exactly the same as a bagpipe. Cool. So they can make a sound out of the swim bladder? Yes, if they've got muscles attached to it. What do those sounds mean? They can mean a range of things. Um, for, for example, the gurnard. If Have any of you been fishing and yep. caught a gurnard? Yes. And yeah. you've heard them grunt? Yeah. yeah. That's the gurnard talking. Really? Yeah. So that's, that's the muscles on, on the swim bladder and on the gurnard contracting and producing that sound. Because it's not happy, right? It's got a hook in its mouth and you've got it 
on your boat. Yeah. And this is what a swim bladder looks like. Kind of looks like a tooth. It looks a bit like Pac-Man or a blown-up fortune cookie. It's very puffy. Yeah, it's puffy because it's full of air and it helps the fish maintain its buoyancy in water. So the sound is made because they squeeze the air out? It acts like a, almost like a resonance chamber, so it's just contracting that air that's already in there. It doesn't squeeze it out. If more, how do fish hear the other fish? They have ears, um, not in the same sense as what we have ears. We have big um, earlobes that stick out the side of our head. Fish don't have that. Their ears are fully encased in their cranium. Um, within that, they have similar structures which we have. So if fish have ears, when they go underwater, do they not get water in their ears like I do when I go swimming? No, because they don't have openings to the outside like we do. Okay, but do fish hear like we can hear normally? So they have a slightly different structures within their ears compared to what we have. They have um, what's called oliths or ear stones and basically as the sound passes through them these stones vibrate and that's how they, they sense sound. How does the sound get into their ears if they don't have the holes like we do? So fish are essentially the same density as seawater and the otoliths are approximately four times as dense. And because the fish are the same density as the um, seawater, the sound field actually passes straight through them. Much like if you're standing at a rock concert in front of a big speaker and you can feel your insides move, that's basically how the fish is hearing. That's awesome. But what's interesting about the stones is that they are like trees and that as the fish grows they lay down more of that stone structure and you can um, age them by these stones same as this tree when you cut a tree you can count the age of the tree with the rings you can cut the otoliths in half and count the rings and work out how old the fish is and this is a snapper otolith it looks like i don't know plasticized leaf or something oh i thought it was actually stones but i can see that it's not yeah it's made of calcium carbonate like the same stuff your fingernails? Similar, yep. So do they sit in the head like our ears do? Yes, they they do. So they ha- actually have three of these oliths on each side of the head. So each, the left and right ear, will have um, three of these stones. The The biggest one there is the saccule, which we have a saccule in our ear, but it's not quite the same. And they have two other smaller ones and they all orientated in different ways which enables them to hear direction around them. Shall we go into the sound <laughs> yep. booth and just hear what we can hear? Come into the sound corridor to hear some amazing underwater sounds. These are the underwater sounds made by John Dory. That's weird. It sounds like a pig. <laughs> These are popping noises created by big-eyed fish. Kinna make one of the loudest sounds on the reef as they graze macroalgae, or kelp. Sounds like bubble wrap popping. Humpback whale vocalizations can be heard across entire oceans. Only the male whales sing. Sounds like a donkey trying to sing. (laughs) The whole lot put together creates this underwater reef cacophony. 
Does it seem really noisy for underwater? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have thought that fish sounds were that loud. I think sometimes you don't realise you're listening for things, but the next time you're in the ocean, if you hold your breath and you put your head under the water, I think now you know what you're listening for, you might be able to hear some sounds that you weren't expecting, and they might be coming from fish. So once I was able to swim with humpback whales, and I put my head under the ocean, I let my ears listen, and I heard this singing, like the sound that a whale makes. And I was like, that means it must be really close. And I looked left, and I looked right, and I couldn't see a whale. And then I was told that the whale that was singing was 20 kilometres away that I was hearing, but it sounded like it was right next to me. Why would that be, Craig? So underwater sound travels much faster than it does in air. And so the way that sound travels, the way that I hear you right now, is because I'm making a vibration with my voice box. And that vibration moves the air molecules until the air by your ears moves. And they've got tiny little hairs inside your ears that wiggle and tell your brain that I'm making a sound because of the vibration. But the further away that is, the longer that has to travel, well, those vibrations get weaker and so the sound gets quieter. But actually, we don't lose as much energy in the water, which means that sound travels really well through the water. Would it be just as loud if you were like 40 kilometres away from the whale? You would still be able to hear it, but it wouldn't be as loud. What if you were closer? It would be louder. It's the same as if a train's going by, right? You can hear the train coming. As it gets closer, it gets louder and louder. It's the same thing underwater, If, but those distances are much greater. When we were in the sound tunnel, how far away were the fish we were listening to? They were probably within about 50 metres of the hydrophone. Um, If fish have tongues, can they speak like us? No. Some fish do have tongues, but the generation of the sound is either through that swim bladder mechanism of muscles around it, or another mechanism I haven't mentioned is through um, stridulation. So much like how how you can crack your knuckles, Fish have certain bones which they can crack against um, other bones and, and produce sounds that way as well. Can anybody crack their knuckles? Oh, oh. yeah. If fish have tongues, what do they use them for? Is it to taste their food? I think everything would taste salty, wouldn't it? They have a lot of taste buds in their mouth, some fish. So goldfish, right, they swim around their tank picking up stones. If by chance they pick up some food, it's through a chemical sense which then they hold and swallow. So when you see your goldfish in the tank picking up rocks, it's tasting them and figuring out if it's food or not? Pretty much. So just like the way we communicate um, within the same species, fish do the same thing. So, for example, the the big-eye fish, which, which are nocturnal, they live in caves during the day, and they come out on the reef to feed at night. And these guys... Um, produce clicking sounds to maintain their school structure so um, a big crowd of fish come out because there's lots of predators that could potentially eat these little fish in order to protect each other from those predators they they school or hang out close together and because they can't see at night they use sound to keep in contact with with their mate hold on they're called big eye fish do they have big eyes they've got bigger ears <laughs> when the kinna was making noise did they actually make the noise or was it them scraping along the rocks it's it's them making the noise but it's not on purpose it's through their feeding mechanism they have what's called an aristotle lantern which is um, their teeth and it's their teeth moving out and scraping on the rocks but that sound has its own purpose in that 
a lot of babe reef fish that are babies, they have to find their way to a reef, and we're pretty sure that they listen for sea urchins to find their way back home. What's a kinna? It's a sea urchin. It's a spiky little sea egg, if you like. We've got one here. Do you want to see one? Yes, please. So this is our touch tank, and we've got two different species of kinna in here. We've got this one, which you probably haven't seen before, which is uh, what we call Centrostephanus, and these are really big spines. Do you want to hold one? Hold it. Oh, wow. It's all moving. It looks spiky, but it's not. Yeah, like, it feels like it's like a Christmas decoration. (laughs) Like a Christmas decoration. And it's moving around, so that feels quite weird. It's got so many spikes, and they're all moving at the same time. So if you turn them upside down, you can see um, its mouth. And those are the little teeth, and that's that Aristotle's lantern that scrapes when it feeds. Oh, wow. It looks like a hedgehog. Yeah, I didn't expect the spikes to be moving that much. I guess it's trying to protect itself from you damaging it. This is another sea urchin. It's slightly different than those other ones. These ones aren't so common, and the spikes aren't so big. What's that orange thing in there? This one? Yeah. It's a sponge. Is that so that the fish can wash? <laughs> no, they're, they're an animal. Oh, not a bath sponge. Not then. a bath sponge. It feels really spongy. These guys are pretty cool. So this is a little crab. Whoa. It's called oh, a decorator cool. crab. And they pick up pieces of seaweed and glue them to their body to camouflage themselves. It looks kind of like a tarantula. Yeah. It's yep. got so much seaweed on it. Yeah. It must be it's pretty helpful for, like, if you're being chased by a predator. Or it's like a soldier, right? Wearing camo so you don't get seen. Yeah. That's What's a snail. It's a, called a hairy trumpet snail. Does that one make a sound? No, but we, we have some evidence that some um, mollusks or snails... Like the sea urchin can um, produce sounds when they're feeding through their... They have a radula, which is a big spiky tongue that they use to scrape algae off rocks. Not as loud as an urchin, but still produce sound. It's called a trumpet because of how it looks, not the sound it makes. So there's uh, some um, paddle crabs in here, and we've also recently found out that these guys produce sound as well. And they can produce up to three different types of sounds for three different types of behaviours. How do you find out if they can make sound? It was purely accidental. We had them in a tank for another experiment and we um, actually heard them making the sounds out of the water and then we put the hydrophone in and we could record what they were actually doing. What are those three sounds? So there's a bass sound, which um, is used for repro- reproductive displays, There's which is really low frequency, like the whales you heard, really low. There is the zip sound, which is on the claws. They have ridges, and they use the first walking legs, basically like rubbing your um, finger over a comb, and it goes tick, 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 tick. So that's how they produce the zip. And that's produced by competing males trying to get another male crab away from a female. And then there's the rasping sound, which is a 
feeding response and is produced by the teeth that are found in the crab's stomach. Oh, oh there, there it is. Go. Wow, look at that. Oh, it's huge. So that's a paddle crab. That's a paddle It's native to New Zealand, this guy. And it's like it's got a smiley face on its back. There's a crayfish down here. These guys produce sound too. And they produce that rasp sound. We only found that out last year. When I'm in the ocean, it doesn't sound that noisy. Well, as you found out, it is quite noisy. So I think now, if you actually took the time to listen and put your head under the water and hold your breath for a bit, you'll, you will hear a lot of different sounds. Would we hear the same sounds that we heard when we were going through the noise tunnel or different sounds? You, you would hear those same sounds if those animals were around. Big eyes are particularly vocal. You'd hear gurnard when you catch them and bring them up to your boat. But, but the other, other fish that you heard only produce those sounds in, in that specific context. So if they're producing that type of behaviour, what, what they're using the sound for, you would then hear it. Okay, well, that has been super cool, Craig. Thank you so much. We've learned about crabs, we've learned about sea urchins, and we've learned that, well, fish can make all sorts of sound. Tessa, did that help answer your question? Yes, it did. Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks Craig. 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 No problem. Awesome. Thank you, yeah. Craig. Okay, are you guys ready to get back in the jet vault? Yeah. Yes. All right, here we go. Nano girl, did you talk to any fish? No, but we did find out that some fish probably talk to each other. The problem is that it's really noisy underwater and we only know a tiny bit about how all of these noises are made and what they actually mean. Well, if they mean anything. It sounds like a busy day. It was, but it's days like this when I come up with my best ideas and I've had a doozy idea for an experiment. To the lab! For this experiment, you are going to need an empty plastic bottle, some sharp scissors, two balloons and a bowl filled with water. So first of all, we're going to make sure our bowl is filled with water. And next, you're going to cut the top and the bottom off the bottle. So be very careful because you'll need sharp scissors for this. So you end up with just a cylinder. Now you're going to cut the ends of your balloon off, the bit that you normally blow your mouth into, and you're going to stretch the balloon over the top and the bottom of your cylinder. So now you have a plastic bottle cylinder, Ooh, there we go, with what feels like a drum skin on either side. Now you're going to submerge half of this in water and you're going to put your ear to the other half. And now for the fun bit. Take something that makes some noise, I've got a teaspoon here, and put your ear on the end of the balloon that's not wet and hear what it sounds like underwater. And that's how you make a hydrophone. To have your own science adventure, check out the video on the RNZ website. It's got all the instructions you're going to need to make your own hydrophone. Have a go and let us know how you get on. You can email us on scienceadventures at rnz.co.nz. Hey Claire, did you manage to find the hot chocolate? Yes. It was with your tramping gear. Of course. It's always in the most obvious place, isn't it? Surely the obvious place would be in the kitchen with the tea or coffee. That's crazy robot talk. Now, it's never too late for some hot chocolate. Huh. Claire, where's the jug? The kitchen? Mm, 
decided to keep it in the garage. Hmm, more useful there. Thanks for listening to Nano Girls' great science adventures, and thanks to Dr. Craig Radford from Auckland University, as well as Rosie, Tessa, Daniel, and Jackson from Maharangi College for helping us to eavesdrop on some talking fish. Find all of Nano Girls' great science adventures on any podcasting app. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio too. It's also on the RNZ and Nano Girl websites. Wherever you find it, remember to click the subscribe button so you don't miss out on an episode. And rate us too. Then others get to have great science adventures as well. We'd also love to hear from you. If you have a great question, don't be afraid to ask us. Email scienceadventures at rnz.co.nz. This podcast was made by Dr. Michelle Dickinson, Sophie Fern, Marie Pipe, Jocelyn Bunch, Crystal Lee Brown, Liz Garton, Tim Watkin, and RNZ's amazing sound engineers. Until our next adventure, Kakitiano!